1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> what's up i'm tommy Teebs pico
2: and i'm drea washington and we are scream queen, queen, queen
1: a podcast about scary movies from people that are not typically depicted in scary movies drea did i tell you i figured out where i would die in the teen slasher film
2: uh yeah, you did.
1: Um, I would be okay. So if if this was a t- if this was a teen slasher film, I feel like I would make it probably like I would definitely make it past the halfway point. I would definitely like be one of the last like three people left. But I know for a fact because I'm the bird ass bitch. I would forget my keys and have to go back in the house. That's how. Because I I would be the be right back death. Okay. Yeah yeah. I'd be like, you know, we'd be like running to the car like. I for, Cause I'm always forgetting. My, like I'll get to the gym and I'll realize that I forgot my um, like little pass thing, how to get in. Or I'll get to the subway and realize that I forgot my tap card. You know what I mean? Like that's the bitch that I am. Uh-huh. So in the scary movie, yeah, we would be we would run into the car and I'd be like, fuck, I forgot the keys. I go back and, and you'd be like, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'll be right back, and I would never come back.
2: I would give you more credit than that. Like <laughs> I really think you your ass would just be gone. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> or not I mean, even in the movie. I'm just like, you know what? Well,
2: remember we talked about this like I think you would be that bitch that like got knocked out accidentally and you just like fall into a closet and then you just pop up at the end of the movie
1: Like, that. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait what happened uh, kind of like that dude we'll, we'll get into Anaconda later but kind of that, like that dude in Anaconda who like kind of gets taken out in the very beginning and he doesn't wake up till like the very end Yeah, yeah and he's yeah. like uh Where'd the the sound person go? (laughs) Uh, So this week on our show, our act one, we're doing uh, what I would have done was with Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween Resurrection. Our main discussion topic is on shit in real life. Uh, Some factoids from sets, scary movies based on real life events, and maybe even the real impact that scary movies have had on our lives. And we round out with our act three scream queen, Uh, Jennifer Lopez in Anaconda (laughs) as Terry Flores. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) good. So, let's go. All right, Drea. Tell me that you've seen Halloween Resurrection.
2: I mean, I choose to pretend that that movie never
1: happened so, yeah. well I mean with the new Halloween movie it really did never happen because they erased the whole canon of the past like I don't know seven films Halloween Resurrection is a very 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 shitty sequel to Halloween H20 which is a movie I actually fuck with oh yeah absolutely I like Halloween H20 it has it's flaws but I it, still
2: fuck with that movie
1: I, it all stars you know my man Josh Hartnett um, my 6'3 king oh Lord. <laughs> Um, and it's like, you know, it was one of those, like, nine, it like came out in, like, I think 98, so it was in that, la- la, um, that spate of, like, late 90s horror. Yeah. Um, and it really did, I think, um, revitalize the franchise, but then they followed it up with Halloween Resurrection. I mean, that was just a money grab. Yeah, and... It's like, for those of you who haven't seen it, don't. <laughs> it's actually really hard to watch, both to watch the film and to find it online because it just doesn't <laughs> exist on most streaming platforms because I feel like they were like, mm, I don't think we want to follow it. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised because Tyra Banks is in it and she does a terrible job. I would not be surprised if she kind of put money into the fact that tried to bury it. You and know what I mean? You
2: mentioned that they don't even... and. Uh, did you say you saw her death scene? Because they don't include it in the movie because it was
1: so bad. Because it was so bad. But it is on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, I think the director was like, mm, I don't really know. I don't really think that's a... <laughs> we don't have to really include <laughs> Chopping the, the chopping floor. You know what I mean? Uh, but um, it stars Busta Rhymes as well. And it's kind of like a reality television uh, crew sets up in Michael Myers' old house. And he comes back and, you know, wants to kill everybody. And in my mind, too, have you ever seen American Horror Story Roanoke? Oh, yeah. With the Lady Gaga. Is that like that twig bitch? Yeah. <laughs> the twig bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and that one is kind of like a similar setup. Like there's a reality television crew inside of a house that like they're waiting for some shit to go down. You know what I mean? Like in the latter half of that season, which I really liked Roanoke i did too i thought no, it was good i thought it was really good it was genuinely disturbing i mm-hmm. heard that they wanted like a tone change after hotel because hotel ended up becoming so sort of sweet in the end
2: i mean hotel turned into a that was a mess yeah this movie had i mean uh american horror story had the potential to be a mess but that it actually came together i liked it quite a bit yeah they brought yeah. in two different casts and i was like oh okay
1: it's yeah i liked the way that it set you up for something and it halfway through became something completely different
2: i think that that's a really good example of like what resurrection should have been but it's like yeah, they didn't know what they were trying I don't think they know what they were getting into.
1: No, they definitely didn't. And it probably didn't help that it was just a really, sh- it was really shittily written. But um, anyway, so what I would have done was... So Jamie Lee Curtis is in the very beginning of this film. Because of the events of Halloween H20, it's left her um, somewhat mentally scattered because she found out at the end of that movie that um, when she thought she cut off Michael Myers' head, it was actually just like some random dude who Michael Myers had dri- uh, dressed up in his clothes and put on the mask. So stupid. It was really stupid. Um... And so she's in a mental health facility recuperating um, when Michael Myers gets the jump on her. And she's running around, running around, running around. He's got her, um, like, looking like, I don't know. She's just frazzled. She looks frazzled. She looks, she's had it. Um, but, you know, she's textbook survivor. Um gets Michael on the ropes like literally he's hanging from his ankles on a rope and she's getting ready to cut the rope like she's gonna let him drop like four stories to his death as if like a four story drop has ever killed Michael Miles before but anyway <laughs> um, just as she's about to cut the rope he like kind of squirms around and she gets a flashback of having cut off the other dude's head in Halloween H2O. So she has... So she decides that before she kills him, she's got to take off the mask first, which is really, really dumb. (laughs) And of course, she reaches out for the mask and like, I don't know... You know, Laurie probably, I'm sure, just had had a day of it and wasn't really thinking straight, but like, had not secured his hands, so he's hanging there. And of course, as she goes to like take off his mask, he grabs that her knife. Stabs her in the back and lets her fall she gives him a kiss and says sees you in how see you in hell Michael Yeah, yeah. that's just dumb What I would have done was you see you're you're you mean to tell me you're in a mental health facility And there is not one zip tie anywhere to be found like you can't take (laughs) one second to go find I don't know some handcuffs or a straight jacket or something You just have to secure his hands before you get within hand range. You know what? I mean, that's just common sense (laughs) But nobody accused anybody of having common sense in a Halloween resurrection so Goodbye, Laurie Strode. You didn't do what I would have done, so now you did. Peace out.
0: All
1: right, we've survived into act two. This week, our act two is, this is some real shit. Um, Some factoids from sets, some scary movies based on real life events, and maybe the real life impact that scary movies have had on us. I know, for me personally, um, if shit goes down in the night, I definitely reach for a Butcher knife. (laughs) I've had several times in my house, well, not here, but on the res, because it's like way more uh, uh, secluded. Uh, My parents not being home and like the lights being low, and I'm like, I have to check for whatever reason. I have to check every room because I'm sure that this is where the scary shit goes down. So I've in my house on the res, on probably 25 separate occasions, have walked through every room and searched every closet with a knife secure in the belief that someone was some maniac was out to get me yes um that's my own ego talking well the curse of an overactive imagination <laughs> yes and also just watching them too close to- i actually don't get nightmares anymore i did for a time sort of get nightmares mm-hmm. all my nightmares are about climate change now <laughs> <laughs> <Stupid>. <laughs> um the other thing i do is s- anytime i walk into a room i clock the exits Smart. Every single one of them. Because you never know you never when know. stuff's going to go down. But also, like, the real life shit is more like when I'm in a theater and somebody walks in, I'm just convinced he has a gun.
2: I mean, it's fucked up that I do the same thing. Yeah.
1: I think about that stuff.
2: I'm just like, how would I <clears> duck
1: <throat> behind this seat right now if somebody had an AK-47 or whatever? Yeah. Which, that's unfortunate, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about, so, Nightmare in Elm Street is Probably my favorite franchise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've, I mean, even when it gets corny and goofy and all that kind of stuff, I always felt like I really respected the death scenes because they always seemed like idiosyncratic to that character. You know, like, um, some like you know, there's only so many ways you could stab somebody, choke somebody, whatever. Like, I'm sorry, Jason, like that machete is tired, but it seemed like every Freddy death was new, you know what I mean? Like. Uh, that homeboy with like the the hearing aid when Freddie turns it all the way up and he hears everything he just starts clawing on like a chalkboard until his head explodes like shit like that I mean at least it was somewhat imaginative Um, And you might think that maybe Wes Craven uh, came up with this idea all on his own if you have that much imagination, but actually, um, it turns out that it came from an article in the Los Angeles Times. Um, And what Wes Craven said was that um, it was about a Cambodian refugee who had died in the middle of the night. And he said he he told his parents that he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him. So he tried to stay awake for days at a time. When he finally fell asleep, his parents thought his crisis was over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night. By the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare. Here was a youngster having a vision of a horror that everyone older was denying and that became the central line of nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. That's terrifying. Uh yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, and also like you you're so vulnerable when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. To have somebody invading your dreams like that's already going to be nightmare territory for me. Absolutely. But it was actually um a a, a case that the CDC was disc- what was um doing research on called sudden unexplained sudden unexplained death syndrome amongst a bunch of South Asian refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently about 117 people died this way according to the CDC. Okay. Not all of them died in the middle of the night or in their dreams but that was some real life shit that inspired the film. Yeah.
2: You know, I uh, I came across that story last night myself and I was, I have never heard that before. There's a lot, you know, Stephen King, like he says, all that shit comes from his nightmares but like what happened to you Stephen King that really mm. inspired that shit? Wes Craven is another one of those characters. Like, I don't, Think he's as um, traumatized as some of these people that create this work, but mm. it, clearly it's coming from
1: a place of he was inspired. Mm-hmm. Are we think? Do we think that Wes Craven is his real name? Uh, probably it's probably a pen. It now. sounds like a stage name to yeah. me. Craven, and you're writing about horror. I don't, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. the The jury is out. We have no. We may never know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, an, another story I came across was um, the, what basically just the the what inspired Halloween and it was Ooh. John Carpenter when he was a student he was attending Western Kentucky University and uh, he visited a mental institution as part of his psychology class and he met a 12 or 13 year old boy who uh, basically his they this they said that the look was blank pale emotionless a face with the blackest eyes and uh, mm. that image of this boy that he saw stuck with him and inspired the story of yeah. of Michael Myers. That's
1: pretty much what the um, psychologist says about Michael Myers, right? Mm-hmm. The the darkest eyes or the blackest eyes, yeah, or whatever. just pure evil. Um, again, Michael Myers, you're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate. Would you? How do you like? Did you know about the origins of Scream? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Scream is, so Kevin Williamson was like a young actor um, and came across this story um, about a killer in Gainesville, Florida. Mm -hmm. I think was called the Gainesville Ripper. Mm -hmm. Um, This was like in 1990. uh, This guy, Danny Rowling, murdered five people between the ages of 17 and 23 over the course of a three-day Uh, killing spree. Mm -hmm. Um, It caused so much widespread fear and panic in the town, which is like a college town, that the University of Florida suspended classes for an entire week. Um, You're a big fan of the Scream franchise, right? Yeah, Scream's probably
2: easily one of my favorite scary movies. Yeah. Easily.
1: I think, too, like the idea of somebody... Well, it was, I think, one of the first times where I was faked out and it ended up being two killers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like later, that happens in the town that dreaded sundown or whatever. But like that was, I No, remember, that was a good spin. Yeah, it was a <coughs> it was a wonderful spin. Um, also, every it came out when I was in middle school and everyone was like talking about, like you know, there were like a few of the brave kids who had like had older siblings to so let them into the theater. I didn't have that. I had to wait till it came out on VHS. Yeah, and I remember having my cousin tell me the entire thing from front to end. I yeah, was like, Yeah, you didn't watch dies? it, but... <laughs> what, I want to know, and they were talking about, like, Drew Barrymore's guts and, like, uh, uh, Rose McGowan's boobies and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> boobies. <laughs> did you ever make anybody... Like, I feel like before I gathered the gumption to watch scary movies, I always had to ask my cousins to tell me what they were about. You know, like... My cousins who would have watched the entirety of Nightmare on Elm Street, I was like, so what happens in the Dream Warriors? And I would just make them recount it to me Mm -hmm. over and over and over. So by the time I'd actually seen those movies, I I already knew what was going on, what was happening. It was kind of like the modern-day version of like reading a Wikipedia entry. Got you. You know?
2: I was definitely the kid watching that shit.
1: Definitely. I fully believe (laughs) that you would be the kid watching that shit. And I also believe that if in the scary movie of our lives, you would be the final girl.
2: I appreciate that. Absolutely,
1: 100%.
2: You know, I... Not to toot my own horn, but I kind of believe that too.
1: Yeah, you would get by grit. You would get by on your grit. Yeah. I would have to be passed out in a closet. That's the only <laughs> way that I would live. I would put you in a closet somewhere. <laughs> you would get oh, in the way. You. You're welcome. You would put me back in the closet. <laughs> All right, Drea. <laughs> I see. With friends like this. Oh, man, that was problematic. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I- um, do you know about um, Mercedes McCambridge?
2: Uh, y- you know what you dropped that story on me the other day it's pretty amazing so and gonna, also upsetting
1: I'm going to read this Twitter thread by uh, a woman named Sadie Doyle at Sadie Doyle um, on Twitter who wrote the book Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers Monstrosity Patriarchy and the Fear of Female Power um, which definitely going to pick up later on Um, she gets a lot into horror movies and stuff like that but she recounts the story of mercedes mccambridge who was the voice of the devil in the exorcist Mm -hmm. and let me just read a little bit of this read for all the questions people have asked me about the exorcist no one has asked me about my most deeply held opinion which is that mercedes mccambridge gave the most hardcore performance of the entire horror genre maybe of the century and wasn't even listed in the credits Friends, picture this. You, Mercedes McCambridge, are a 57-year-old woman. Your heyday was 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 as a radio actress. Your career is mostly over, and you're a recovering alcoholic. And one day, you get a call. Someone wants you to be the voice of the devil. Mercedes McCambridge sits down, and she asks herself, how can she embody a creature that is absolute pure meanness? Something with endless rage, no soul, something so evil you can't stand to look at it. And she thinks, oh, right, that's me when I drink. <laughs> so Mercedes McCambridge calls her priest and tells him to stay on call because she has a job. She's the devil now, and she needs to be drunk the entire time she's recording that role. Mercedes- Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. Mrs. Cambridge goes off the wagon for the part, but that's not enough. The devil isn't just evil, the devil is trapped. So Mercedes gets strong men to strap her into a chair, tie her up as tight as they can, and put her almost completely powerless near the mic. She's chain-smoking because she thinks it sounds creepy when she wheezes. She's gargling eggs to fuck her throat up and make her phlegmy. She's doing shots, and then it's time to be the devil. So they turn the mic on, and Mercedes starts screaming. And that's what you're hearing in The Exorcist. An old woman who is tied up, making herself sick, a woman who has literally risked her soul for this part, just screaming and screaming and screaming as loud as she possibly can. After the movie wraps up, she quits drinking again. She gets herself back, and I ask you, if this were a man, if this were Christian Bale, Would we ever stop hearing about how hardcore that performance is? How fucking method it was? How brave she is? How great? How terrifying she was? Because that's not what happened to Mercedes McCambridge. She was just, quote unquote, a voice actor. And Friedkin thought it would be cooler to claim Linda Blair was doing all that herself. So Mercedes McCambridge was cut from the credits of The Exorcist. And it took decades to put her back in. Mercedes McCambridge! best single performance in a horror movie, fundamentally changed the genre, gambled her soul with the devil, and won. Remember that name. Mercedes McCambridge. Mercedes McCambridge. Thank you to my friend Jordan Nakamura, a great poet here in Los Angeles, who um, forwarded me this Twitter thread. And it's, I mean, that gets to a whole lot of things, which is ageism, also sexism, and the hierarchy of performers in the entertainment industry. And like, I'm so glad to know the story now. Because that is an actual horror, you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, do you like the Exorcist? Yeah, I mean it's iconic uh,
2: but it's uh these these stories keep coming out more and more about how many people just get kind of pushed to the side. Stanley Kubrick, he did some problematic things like that mm. um, just you know certain just not giving people the credit that they you know was justly due yeah so. Yeah, um, I'm a huge Linda Blair f- fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's like, how simple, how hard would it have been to just give this woman credit for the voice? You know, like, how difficult is that?
1: Yeah. I mean, and it sucks to have to give people their flowers posthumously. You know, like, you want to give it to them when they're living, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that she gets them now. I, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I have definitely seen The Exorcist, mm-hmm. and I didn't. Maybe I need to, to be in the right headspace. Maybe I was too young to like fully get it. But I don't... Those those demon possession, you know, Catholic horror, you know, nun shit, that doesn't... That's it's not, not, not really my favorite. Nah, it's not really my favorite genre yeah. of scary movie. I find yeah. them to be, like, atmospherically probably pretty scary. But, mm-hmm. but it's not... I don't know. It doesn't have as much jump.
2: It's like... Uh, everybody needs to see that film. I've mm-hmm. seen it many times. Mm-hmm. And it's not really one that I feel the need to go back to as much. But I get, you know, those who are... You know, they just consider that one of their standards. Yeah. Um, And it has some of the most iconic scenes, the the crab walk scene, you know, downstairs, yada, yada. Um, But it was that voice. Mm -hmm. It was the voice that really took it to
1: another level. When she says your mom sucks cocks in hell, I fully believe that (laughs) was true. I was like, damn, how does this bitch know about my mama? (laughs) genie don't play though she's not in hell's Cox though genie don't play that's what i heard (laughs) she do not play she do not play (laughs) you got any more factoids for us um
2: apparently like one of the stunt coordinators or something like that he was on a road somewhere and like driving around rome and uh he had a car accident his passenger was decapitated and the road sign apparently said 666 uh, uh, and I've read that story. I saw it several places, and I but mm, still
1: decapitation. I call that getting domed. I'm <laughs> 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like this. <laughs> Sponsored by Pornhub. <laughs> Not bad, actually. Um, have you seen porn, uh, scary movie parodies by any chance?
2: Like uh, what's the like Edward Penis Fingers? Or... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw one that was the Walking Dead themed, and it was just like I don't. <laughs> The zombie makeup was coming off on them when they were but it was like Rick's son was like fucking a zombie chick and it was just like the green paint was getting on both of them and I was like, this is just goofy. Mm -mm, (laughs)
0: Um
1: I wanna talk briefly about do you know this um indigenous director, uh filmmaker Jeff Barnaby? Um I think he's um indigenous Canadian I think he's First Nation Canadian um, he came out with this scary movie called Rhymes for Young Ghouls um, he's also he also ha- came out with a new movie that's coming out um, that just had its I think premiere at TIFF and it's maybe coming it's getting distributed by Shudder thank God for Shudder um, called Blood, Blood you, Quantum Shutter. and it's a zombie movie that's set on a reservation in Canada a reserve as they call them um, I guess the world has been ravaged by zombies and this one tribe for whatever reason is immune um can't wait to see it um what's it called again uh blood quantum okay keep an eye out for it yeah. and the, the one of the dudes in there was like the native dude who was on fear the walking dead okay he was like uh i think in the second season like they meet a couple of native people something I, that's like that's a
2: show i kind of kind of want to get back
1: into i liked it yeah i really did i mean i liked the fact that it was like set in los angeles i liked the fact that it was like Unlike with um with Rick Grimes like he wakes up and the zombie apocalypse has been going on for a while with yeah. this one it's like from the jump so you see things slowly change. Yeah. Uh and also like the idea of the per- one of the protagonists being like kind of a junkie and he's just so uh uniquely suited for life after the apocalypse because he's been living the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know in his like um in his drug-addled state or whatever. I
2: was definitely more pulled into the the characters than I was in The Walking Dead. I mean that definitely played played out its course
1: yeah and a lot of the characters were people of color mm-hmm. you know they that, were like black and that latinx well. and one mm-hmm. of them was like a, i think he was maori or something um okay. so i was just like i was jazzed by that as my mother would say but anyway rhymes for young ghouls um everyone in this movie for for the most part is native um except for an indian agent it's like set in the mid-70s and it's kind of in the wake of uh, what they're called in Canada is residential schools, and in the United States they're called Indian boarding schools. And I mean, this is actual terror. Mm. Like my grandmother had to go to one of those, and they were see like for dec for you know centuries, the governments of Canada and the United States had um, systematically. Um, taken away our land and our resources. But the schools, quote unquote schools, were an attempt to rob us of our culture and our language and our spirituality Mm -hmm. and our families. Um, We were a problem that needed to be exterminated, but they realized they couldn't kill us all. Yeah, so they'll brainwash you. Yeah, so that was a a, a re-education, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were so afraid of us and our ceremony that they had to uh, like create this whole new institution to take it away from us mm-hmm. and in the wake of that like from my perspective a couple of generations down the line like my grandmother ended up getting sent home because she starved herself so horrifically um, and she had it better than most people because a lot of kids in that system didn't make it back. You know what I mean? Like, a school shouldn't have a mortality rate. If a school has a mortality rate, it's a concentration camp. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Call it what it is. And it's like, when she, so she came back. I mean, and she was... Um, but not all of her came back. You know course, what I mean? Like yeah. something got left there. And she was like really secretive about what happened, but I know, for example, they cut her hair. I know that she wasn't allowed to speak Kumiai, which is our language. I know that they beat her. Um and the I don't know the full extent of what I lost in her in her generation, you know what I mean? But she didn't end up speaking Kumiya after that she didn't pass it down to my dad so I didn't get to learn it there's so many other things I don't know that I didn't get to learn so you know
2: that's that's the black experience as well you know I'm not having any connection to Africa
1: mm-hmm. in in my culture mm-hmm. there's just so much I have to refine right or or reimagine and mm-hmm. I think that's honestly for me why writing because writing is like a new ceremony mm-hmm. that I can believe in and put my energies into or whatever. And I, I see that with a lot of these young indigenous filmmakers and artists and screenwriters and, 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 and musicians and stuff as I think what a, a part of what Rhymes for Young Ghouls um, addresses, which is like what to do in the wake of this cultural loss. You know, and I mean, he turns it into a scary movie, but it is like, you know, so when Tananarive Du said like, like about black history and black horror and like same with indigenous people. You know what I mean? And there's so many more scarier things than the movies. Mm -hmm. And you know what goes bump in the night? Colonialism. (laughs) (laughs) Patriarchy, white supremacy. That's what goes bump in the night.
2: Okay, (laughs) preach.
1: (laughs) We've survived all the way to act three, Drea. Good for us. (laughs) But I don't know if you're going to want to after this because today our scream queen is Jennifer Lopez as Terry Flores in Anaconda. And let me tell you something. I mentioned at brunch a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to have J Lo as my screen queen for this episode, and I was met with derision and side eye from everybody at the table, hmm. including the person sitting across from me right now, hmm. Drea Washington. Hmm. And I have to say that anybody who can stomach having John Voigt thrown up right in front of them from a huge snake. And honestly, who can stomach being around John Voight in general without throwing up? They got to be a screen queen. <laughs> Cuz that's scary. That's real scary. Yeah, yeah. Also Jenny Jenny from the blog looks the same. She looks great. She's gorgeous.
2: Oh, yeah, glowing.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm sure, I I heard a story somewhere, and this is unsubstantiated, and I don't want to get into it, but that she took an old picture of herself to her uh, uh, plastic surgeon and was like, make me more like this. You know, some people are like, oh, I want Angelina Jolie lips, or I want blah, 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 (laughs) She was like, no, 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 I want me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you had to understand that that, uh, the era of J-Lo that this was in was like, Pre-fame J-Lo. Because the only thing she had done, I think, in addition to this at the time, was Selena. And she was more known at that time for being, oh, wasn't that that girl who was the fly girl in In Living Color for a while? Yeah. You know, this was before Out of Sight. This was before On she, the Six.
2: I think she did, like, she might have done Money Train. I'm
1: uh, Not that anybody knows, remembers Money <laughs> Train. <laughs> so never mind.
2: Forget that reference. <laughs> um, yeah, she... Oh, Money Train, Wesley yeah. Snipes. Yeah. Yes. And like uh, Woody Harrelson or something. Oh, God. They're like brothers. It, and uh, maybe I'm getting
1: the people wrong. <laughs> no, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, that was why I meant. can't it, jump.
2: It no, but I think they might have done Money Train too. okay. Uh, you know what? Why are we talking about that?
1: I don't know. You know what? Let's We're actually talking about Anaconda. Uh, so Anaconda, loosely the plot, is like a documentary um, team goes into the heart of the Amazon to try to discover or, or try to rediscover some like long lost indigenous tribe again why are you so obsessed with us i don't know but uh uh, j-lo plays the director terry flores and along the way they get a little serpent problem uh they also run into some anacondas (laughs) but their serpent problem is definitely john voight playing latino (laughs) (laughs) what is he like peruvian or something
2: yeah some Uh, show no he's from uh, paraguay Whatever he And uh, he has a ponytail. Uh, and oh man, that was just a got lot an I don't know what the fuck trying to it was, was like do creole. It was I, like it was, it was it was a
1: mess. are, are we are we supposed to believe that you speak Spanish? I don't know what, what language what you're I don't. I didn't get problematic. that accent. John Voight stays problematic. You know what I'm talking about? Trump voting ass. Trump voting ass. You know, Angelina tri- tried to tell us. Mm. She tried to tell us. Mm. Don't fuck with John Voight. <laughs> Uh I think some people wasn't listening, though. I, I still watch Ray Donovan. Anyway. Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you think of Anaconda, Drea?
2: Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I wasn't as... Mad at watching it as I was, like Alien versus Predator.
1: Uh huh. Um, (laughs) Bringing all these ghosts back in your life.
2: I I remember that I I was actually, there's some scenes in this movie that like stuck with me Mm. since I was, since the first time I saw it as a kid. Mm -hmm. One of those scenes definitely being when John Boyd is regurgitated. Like that is an epic scene. Yeah. Regurgitated ninny winks.
1: winks. Yep. (laughs) Owen Wilson after he gets swallowed by the snake it like the snake is like swimming in the water and yeah, you see yeah. the that, outline that of his face that was space. the
2: first image that stuck with me it was mm-hmm. the imprint of his face and the anaconda's body Owen Wilson playing Owen Wilson <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he like turns on the group too and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. he deserves he's the like, guy my like, friend get- let's get this money he's like oh no no john voight knows what to do don't believe in let's john voight let's capture
0: he's a snake and get, get this money it's gonna uh, get you killed
2: danny trejo was that him at the very beginning the very be-
1: i think it was yeah i think it was yeah yeah, yeah. The, he, and he like uh shoots himself so he doesn't have to like deal with the anaconda or whatever right yeah
2: um so yeah this flores walks in terry flores hmm mm-hmm. boring Really? Boring as fuck. Really? She's so boring.
1: She's got some steely looks in there. She she looks off she looks okay, very I defiant
2: into John Voice's face. She's boring up until so okay, and then I'm just confused when she tries to seduce your man.
1: Oh yeah. Don't I thought, call him my man. <laughs> that is what <laughs> will end the boy. show. That will end this show. <laughs>
2: uh I was I was like, Oh shit. Like I mean I knew she wasn't really trying to do that, but I it was just it was a lot that scene. And hmm Like she,
1: was, I, she laid it on pretty thick. It was too much. Yeah, she was like, I was like, you Ice
2: Cube should have come in a little bit sooner. Oh, Ice
1: Cube w- plays a childhood friend of hers. Yes. Yes. He's, he's the cameraman.
2: Yeah, and hey, oh, this is a rare movie where uh, the black man makes it to the all the way to the end um, of the movie. He's a scream queen. He made it, <laughs> and they get. <laughs> I don't know how he worked out this contract, but he was just dropping lines from like his raps, like his verses <laughs> and shit. The fucking soundtrack was Mac Ten. Uh-huh. I'm like, I was like, okay, this mm-hmm. is this
1: is just Ice Cube's movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was probably his stipulation of that. Yeah, no, his 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 lawyer, his agent, or whoever got him a sweet deal. Yeah, yeah. He, And
2: he actually was the one doing shit. He was he was just like setting things up for J Lo mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no hate, but I mean, she was. She's all right. She did, you know. No, it, it wasn't until the next year out of sight that she could show off her acting jobs. Out of sight
1: was great. That's a good movie. She was good in that movie. Yeah. She wasn't bad in Anaconda. It's not like she, she could have been any She wasn't bad. Better. I said she
2: was boring. Okay. boring. It wasn't, not even significant.
1: She was hard femme, though. I appreciate that. She had like a white tank top on and she kind of had those big old, car- I feel like it was a very Aaliyah inspired look now that I'm looking back on it. <laughs> um, I'd like to think she was channeling uh baby girl. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, but yeah and also like her her like man in that movie like we said in the beginning he um he like uh, i think John Voight puts a, a wasp in his
2: in his uh, scuba cuz he's yeah. like
1: he's scuba diving and uh John Voight puts a wasp in there and then it like swells up his throat or whatever yeah. and he has to give him a tracheotomy or something the shit.
2: tracheotomy scene that was another one that i remember as a kid that trach scene like booked me up as yeah, a kid
1: yeah and then and- when he uh, grabs oh, your boy by yeah. the ch- uh, by the throat. Yeah, and he starts bleeding all over again. Oh, God. so so this guy he like uh, gets incapacitated in the very beginning, and then just wakes up at the end. Like what? And everyone else is dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so J Lo, you know what I'm talking about. We salute you, and thanks for being our screen queen this week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound with theme music by Doc Allison. I'm your boy Tommy Teebs Pico, and you can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E E B S, on all relevant social media.
2: Andrea Washington. You can find me on Instagram at Hey Girl Hey. That's H E Y G R L H E Y. You can find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast.
1: And online at screamqueenpodcast.com In the scary movie of your life, you better scream Queen. <laughs> Let's do it again. Okay. In the scary movie of your life, you better
0: scream, scream Queen. queen.